All right, hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Stick a Fork in It, the official podcast of Feeding Tampa Bay. My name is Ev Malcolm, I'm the engineer for the show, and I'm here with our host, Matt Spence. And our special guest today is Rick Bennett, who is the Manager of Strategic Programming and Local Partnerships for Florida Blues West Region. So how are you doing today, Rick? Pretty good, thanks a lot. Absolutely. So Rick, we uh, we dive right into the heavy, uh, deep stuff. And we're going to start with what you're most known for on our board, which is being the best dress and uh, and having oh. the best stock game. So I think that's really where we need to start this conversation. Uh, we'd love for you to share with us how you decide what socks to wear when you're coming to the food bank. Sure there's some- well, considering since the pandemic, I have not been wearing socks very often. Mm. Um, it is usually... Um, uh, that's a good question. I definitely like to have some correspondence to something in my wardrobe. Most people believe that it should be pants. I believe it should be shirt um, because if it corresponds with your shirt, it's a little bolder. But uh, I don't want to go too obnoxious, but that's kind of what uh, how I do it. And then there's a seasonality to the sock selection as well, or sometimes even the occasion that I'm going to if I you know, I'm coming to a feeding camp of a event. I do have some with food or a cocktail on them. I, you know, I have some that are subtle, uh, my subtle, uh, kind of views of maybe a, a, a meeting that I'm going to, not one of yours. I might have something in there that's, you know, also have something on there. So it's, it's, there's definitely a thought that goes behind the socks. And, uh, Evan and I felt like we had to start there because unfortunately our normal co-host Shannon was unable to be with us today and she's uh, far better at those kind of uh, introductions. <laughs> uh, you know, for, for, for me personally, I think Ev kind of shares this fashion sense. Like I try to buy everything that matches everything else in my wardrobe. So it's just grab a top, grab a bottom and go. Yeah. Uh, I've got about yeah. 80 pairs of matching is overrated. <laughs> yeah. Matching is a little bit overrated. Um, coordinating is you got to get past matching to coordinating. There we go. I'm going to have to <laughs> it's the next notes, level. not my area of expertise for sure. No. Uh, one thing we do share though, Rick, is a little bit of history, uh, kind of pre, uh, food insecurity world. We both, uh, worked in the, in the church world. So I'd love for you to share a little bit, you know, before we get into what you do now, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about your your previous life? Sure. So it is uh, varied, um, I guess, to, for lack of a better term. I, uh, after I graduated from Florida State, I was on my way to law school, but had kind of a, um, a change in plans, went to seminary, um, became a uh, youth pastor and then a pastor in churches in Virginia, Texas, and Massachusetts, so never really in the Bible Belt, um, per se. And um, then uh, through some of the same thing that brings people back to Florida, which is usually family, older family. I came back to Florida with my, fam- my family and um, went into um, more of the nonprofit side, worked at uh, Metropolitan Ministries for a while, um, doing volunteer services and development, uh, worked for um, hospice, uh, the local hospice here in charge of spiritual care and volunteer services, and then for the uh, United Methodist Church, kind of the denomination, doing um, a lot of the work that kind of went into what I'm doing now, which was uh, food insecurity, 
food pantries, um, health care for all Floridians, um, you know, uh, justice work, and a lot of that perspective um, that I try to bring to churches. Um, and then that kind of led into what I'm doing now, um, which, you know, is kind of walking the line between nonprofit partners and um, our organization and trying to figure out ways that we can align with our missions and find partnerships and ways that uh, we can meet uh, the way, you know, the mission to get uh, Floridians healthier. You know, I think ours is, you know, very much connected to yours in that way. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's a real relational aspect to it as well. It's one of the things that I've noticed of you as a board member that you do a great job in our conversations. You know, they can get technical or they can get into the financial side of things, but you do a great job of kind of bringing us back to the individuals. You can see how your background, the work that you've done before you got to Florida Blue, really helped you develop that perspective. And you know, I don't, I don't know if if you feel the same way about your contribution on the board, but it's just something I've certainly noticed. I definitely do because I think at the end of the day, um, everything is still about people. And, you know, um, there are people always going to be on a board that are better, um, you know, uh, fiscal agents and fiduciaries than I am. There's people that understand governance better than I do. Um, but um, I want to make sure that um, the people part of any mission is um, represented on a board. Um, and that means the staff of the organization that means the clients of, that the organization serves and also the board. And how do we um, make sure that we are all not always in agreement, but all, always in alignment and that, you know, there's a focus that um, everything that we do is about the people part of our mission. Um, now, that means that we have to make sure that the finances are good. <laughs> if we're raising enough money, we're doing all of those things. But I think at the end of the day, there's a reason we're not all there. And it's not about the trucks. And it's honestly not about the food. <laughs> it's about the human beings that we are, you know, using trucks to deliver food to. Yeah, I think it's such an important perspective to have from a board member. I've you, know, you and I have both been on both sides of that equation, whether we were board members or on the, the nonprofit staff side. And um, I know as a staff member of this organization, it is so beneficial to have board support when sometimes you have to make a decision that puts people first. I mean, we should always be putting people first, but sometimes it's at the expense of some other priority. And, uh, and it's just really great to know that that's your perspective as well, that it's the reason that you uh, do a lot of the work, the board level work for the programs team. Um, you know, you represent us really, really well with your colleagues on the board. And we just appreciate that perspective being a, a, a major focus of yours. Oh, thanks. Thanks. I appreciate it. I enjoy it immensely. And it's a great group of people uh, that work there, that volunteer there. And also you, uh, you guys have done a good job of bringing a, a lot of people around the board table that care deeply and have very different backgrounds and perspectives um, and seem to um, all at least want to do the same thing. And just uh, there's a lot of desire to learn also. And uh, you guys do a good job of teaching us as well, which I think is very important um, to any board member on any board. 
Yeah, that diversity of thought and opinion and perspective is is so powerful because the folks we serve are so diverse. You know, there there is yeah. no gender, face, color, uh, you know, background of someone who interacts with the food relief system. And so, uh, you know, it's really important to us that our board reflect that diversity. Um, and we're getting better and better at it, but you certainly add to it. I really appreciate that. Um, so I'm curious, you know, you've been with us for a couple of years now and uh, you've had an, an opportunity to interact with us in a variety of different ways, not just uh, serving on a board or sitting on a committee, but also getting your hands dirty. So I wonder what your favorite, you know, type of experience is when you work with us or alongside us. Um, well, I mean, I definitely, I mean, there's, there's two things. I mean, I definitely love the kind of experiences when we have like a program committee meeting where we're, we're coming up with ideas and we're trying to figure out what is the best way to do something and that we're going and we're listening to other organizations and how they do it and trying to come up with the best ways. And I, so I like to use that part of my brain. Um, and I enjoy that, that, that there is a desire to figure things out and to grow and to make things different. And so I think that, that, that is something that I really enjoy being on, you know, doing, um, it's just, uh, you know, not just make sure every T is crossed and every I is dotted, but to make sure that we are always on the front lines. Um, so that's one piece. And then from a, like a hands dirty sort of, and I see that kind of as a hands dirty way. It's just, you know, going and listening to maybe the conferences on like food as medicine or thinking some of those things where we're hearing things and thinking, can we do it? And what do we need to do to get better food, healthier food in the hands of people who need it, um, not just because they're food insecure, but also because they have health, um, health issues that we need to take care of. So that's one piece. The other piece is, you know, I love being able to volunteer, especially with my family. Um, you know, we've, we've uh, our company has not been able to volunteer during COVID um, just because we don't do <laughs> any social gatherings. We're very, uh, you know, making sure that we are not in the community in the same way that we regularly would be um, because we want to make sure that the health of all Floridians is, is, uh, is dependent on, you know, hospitals, but also health insurers. So we want to make sure that we are taking all necessary precautions um, at all times. However, as a board member and as an individual volunteer, I've been out with my um, children um, to be a part of like the mobile pantries. And, you know, that is hard work. Um, it's hot, it's sweaty, and it's um, also amazing that you can just be there and be a part of something so much bigger than you and your individual day-to-day, -day, um, you know, concerns about, you know, because my day-to-day -day concerns are not about if there's food on the table. It is literally, are we going to cook or order out? And are we going to get our food from uh, Whole Foods delivery or shipped? You know, that's my daily food concerns. Um, but that is not the daily food concerns of many of my neighbors. And so we want to make sure that we are taking care of our neighbors um, in their time of need. Um, and so I think um, you guys giving us opportunities to do that. I really appreciate the family piece because um you know the kids need hours but more than hours they need experiences and they need to be a part of something bigger than themselves and my um middle child he's part of something called the mayor's youth corps and they volunteer at feeding tampa bay a good amount but also at trinity cafe a lot and he has been able to do both the serving inside and now 
you know, the food prep and um, giving them to people to go. And I think that just having that opportunity on a number of ways has really been great. And I encourage anybody to go out and figure out a way to volunteer during this time period just to make sure that you are not just giving back. I really hate that term, that you are with your neighbors and that you are helping out your neighbors just as you would want them to help you. This podcast was made possible by the innovative thinking and the funding of Feeding America, a nationwide network of more than 200 food banks that feed more than 46 million people through food pantries, soup kitchens, shelters, and other community-based agencies. It's such a great perspective because uh, you know I think it highlights two really important things. One is that the people we serve really are our neighbors, especially in today's world. You know, we we are serving folks who never would have thought that they would need food support. Um, but also the idea that you bring your family. And I know you and I have had offline conversations about uh, as fathers, how wonderful it is to be able to uh, expose our kids to these experiences, to uh, you know help kind of expand their perspectives on life and understand a world that's beyond their the day to day. Um, and, and I know as a father, I've seen it change my kids. I've seen it change the way they look at food, the way that they look at the opportunities in front of them, the, the way that they look at um, what they have in their daily life. Um, and I'm, I'm guessing you've had a lot of the same experiences. Yes, um, very much so. And it's very different than how I grew up. And so, you know, I didn't volunteer a lot growing up, but I grew up um, very poor, but it's very different being I was rural poor. And so we didn't, uh, and my parents were kind of children of the depression and so, era. So they basically, you know, we always had food on our table, even though we were terribly poor because we had, um, you know, an acre's worth of garden that my mother would can. <laughs> it, would, it was always not always the food I wanted, but it was the food we had. And my dad was a military vet. So we always got kind of our food inexpensive from the PX. Um, and then we had neighbors who were farmers and we would trade food back and forth. So what I did was I found out that when I went to college and I was at a, an event and they were serving roast beef and all these things, it's kind of a fancy event. And I thought it was hilarious because I grew up poor. And what I found is some of the food that I grew up eating, being a poor farm kid, was what people paid lots of money for. The reason we had roast beef was because you could eat on it for a week. <laughs> Whereas, you know, somebody else would have roast beef because it seemed fancy. And it was really interesting that kind of, once I started like, like living a different lifestyle, it was, it was kind of a reminder. And so like, I always tell, try to tell my kids whenever we're eating anything, you know, I'll tell them, this is the food that I grew up on. It's interesting. We're paying this much money for it. We went to a fancy restaurant. We had bone marrow. Um, which is a fancy dish. Um, and I remember the first time I heard about it, I got excited because I ate it as a child. But I ate it as a child because my mom believed in cooking every single piece of whatever animal we had. <laughs> and so, and now you're paying $50 for it in a restaurant. And I was willing to pay $50 for it in a restaurant because it brought me back to <laughs> being a poor child, you know, and it helped my kid understand these cycles, um, you know, that, uh, that they don't really understand is not growing up in the same, uh, with the same food needs that I grew up with.
Yeah, and you bring up a really, I think, important point that underscores a lot of the work that we do together and what Florida Blue really cares about, which is the nutritional content of the food that we provide and the types of food that are available to the folks that we serve versus the types that really aren't unless if we're there to provide it. And I think that's a really, uh, it's a really important thing that I would love to dive into in a minute, but it also made me think about, um, as a board member, you helped to develop our strategic plan. And there's something I, I would love to hear you comment on within our strategic plan, which is we talk all the time about meals and food out the door and, uh, and, and using that as a metric, but we're really clear that that's an output. And that the outcomes that are really important to us are health and capability. And I think yeah. there's no representative on our board of a focus on health as an outcome of food you. So I just, I'd, I'd love your thoughts or insight about how that came to be within our strategic plan and you know, how you see that as a, as a, you know, a leader in a healthcare organization. Yeah. Well, so like one of our main initiatives with our, um, our company, but also our CSR strategy is about food security, but food security for our company is not just about making sure bellies are filled. It's that bellies are filled with the right food, um, with fresh produce, with food that does not exacerbate a, uh, a health issue that a person already has. Because if we're just, while we need to make sure that every single person has enough food on their plate, if a person has diabetes and we are providing them food that um, makes their diabetes worse, we're not really serving them well. And so, you know, as a, as a, a health insurer, we have to be very concerned about the health outcomes of every person. And we need to make sure that every single person eats the right kind of food so that they do not get sick. Because as we said before, and you guys have talked about food is medicine and you know, the right kind of food changes everything about ourselves from it's our chemistry to our mental well-being. Um, and so, um, you know, our, and we need to make sure that we do that, um, for every person that we don't, again, just feed them our leftovers, but that we feed them what they need so that they can be healthier than they were, um, and as healthy as they, they need to be. And so I think that's where it kind of comes in together and it's really important to our organization and to me individually, um, you know, I mean, we, I don't. My wife and I do not make our kids happy every single day because of what we're putting on their plate, um, you know, because that's not always the fun thing for a kid to eat. But, you know, if our kids, if we want our kids to be healthy long term, we need to make sure we're getting them the right food early on because I had to change my habits a lot as I got older. Um, and my wife had to change her habits as she got older because we weren't really taught those habits when we were younger. I mean, I, I grew up on a farm, so I did get a lot of healthy foods accidentally, but it was usually, you know, <laughs> I didn't know you could eat green beans or vegetables not cooked in lard. Oh, <laughs> so I don't think that the vegetables I ate were particularly healthy growing up. You're telling me you don't have to cook everything in lard? I was not aware of this. <laughs> Yeah, it was amazing. I did not like green beans until I was much older and I went someplace and they sauteed them mm -hmm. and they were kind of crunchy. And I thought, what is this? I'd never eaten this not overcooked. 
<laughs> so. yeah, my parents, uh, they would get me with cheese broccoli when I was a kid. That was the only way to eat the greens when I was little. Yes. Yeah, that, yeah I, I'm still not a broccoli person. <laughs> <laughs> me and George HW are in alignment on that one. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I love the point about food being more than just sustenance. And we're attacking that broadly by raising the quality level of what we distribute in the community, but we're also kind of hyper-targeting that in an initiative that we're working on with you. Um, you know, we've, we've had an opportunity to start this medically tailored meal project and, um, you know, we're not, not through it yet and we're still learning, but I would love to hear your thoughts on, uh, you know, how you see Florida Blue really coming into that partnership with us around medically tailored meals and what the future might be there. Yeah, I mean, I think that, again, trying to think of it also as a health insurer. So when, if food is medicine, we want to make sure that every single person who has um, a desired health outcome but also might have something that um, is, uh, you know, a determinant of their health that's very that's negative. We want to make sure that we can bridge that gap and get them to a desired health outcome. Um, and part of that is not just prescribing them medicine. Um, it is prescribing them the right food. And so kind of one of the goals that we have in this initiative with you is, especially in places where they're struggling with health equity, especially you know, some of your zip codes where not only are people food insecure, but the food they get is not good for them. Um, and they end up having like um, higher levels of diabetes, higher levels of COPD, all these types of indicators. What can we do to get them the right food? Well, one of the ways is partnering with doctors and hospitals and clinics to have the doctor, when they see what the person's, um, you know, uh, these indicators, and they say, oh, you have diabetes, you have heart disease, well, you need specific types of food. And what sure would be great if we could just say, okay, go eat this way, and then they do. Well, I think three guys sitting here probably know that that's not true for ourselves a lot right. of times. Um, so why would that be any different for somebody else? Um, so, But if there's a food pantry with a medically tailored meal opportunity that they've been prescribed at the doctor's office or at the hospital, um, or is delivered to their house one day, then it's going to be much easier for them to do that because they've been, they've been given the right food, they've been taught how to cook that right food, um, and then they've been taught the outcome that that will give them. And then when they go back to their doctor, the doctor can say, I see you've been eating well, I see you haven't been attaining the right things on your diet, what can we do to change this? So I think that that, that last level health outcome can affect the way we think about food from day one and what we do with food um, if we're partnering with the right health providers. Um, and so again, it's uh, two things. It's weirdly like a food pharmacy. Um, and then, like I said, hopefully one day delivered meals to the door prepared according to um, whatever health needs those people have. I mean, that's kind of the long-term goal after the food pantry. Yeah, we're really excited about the food pharmacy project. You know, Florida Blue jumped in right away. You were a real leader in pushing us into this arena. And 
uh, it's been really, really great to see our medical partners get on board because they see the impact of poor nutrition. They see the impact of an inadequate diet all over the place with every kind of client, every kind of patient, you know, and the opportunity to put the right kind of food right there on site, you know, you need to pick up your heart medication and your bag of groceries and a recipe on how to prepare it in a way that's not covered in lard and not, you know, drenched in Velveeta cheese so that you eat it. And, uh, you know, providing all of those things right in that medical facility is a really, really neat project. And I'm just really ecstatic that you guys were the first ones on board with us you guys are walking this path with us and helping us get to a place where we're pretty confident we'll see excellent health outcomes because of dietary changes that we help make happen. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think that there are, I can't wait to see what some of that data provides. And I like the way that we're doing, uh, that we're looking at different uh, groups as well, you know, because it looks different for kids than it does for um, older adults. It looks different for people that might be rural versus urban, sometimes based upon, you know, um, ethnicity um, or country of origin. Um, you know, it can definitely look different, the needs for people, and that when we're kind of piloting and experimenting in different ways and seeing if we can affect it, instead of just going to one area and trying to generally and you know, go to one hospital and say, oh, we're going to just try to help everybody in this hospital. Well, by targeting, we can really learn lessons to figure out where we can make the most impact and what impact is needed based upon, you know, these factors. Yeah, I think uh, we could probably go down a rabbit hole of all these program details uh, for for quite a long time, but I, I feel bad that I kind of buried the lead here, which is that Florida Blue has been an incredible supporter of our work at Feeding Tampa Bay. You are an early investor, you're a significant investor, um, and you know, for, for the rest of us here are able to do work because of your partnership, I just wanna make sure we say thank you and talk a little bit about the, the investments you've made in our world. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, one of them is the food pantries or the food, uh, food RX program, food pharmacies. Um, you know, in clinics, doctor's offices, again, there is a reason for that. It is that we want to see health outcomes and learn. I think there's a, there's two pieces to, to sometimes with our investments. It's about doing the right thing, making the best impact in the community, but also learning, you know, because our organization, we have, you know, three corporate social responsibility um, uh, drivers of health that we're really looking deeply at. One is that food security. One is you know, health equity, and one is mental health. And so what are the ways that we can affect those through our partnerships? And so we think about that with you, um, specifically with that food pharmacy program. Um, we think about it with Trinity Cafe, that we're help, trying to help you um, open up a Trinity Cafe in Pinellas County. Um, we've had a great volunteer opportunities, and we're big supporters of what you do in Hillsborough. But we, when there's that opportunity to go to another county, we want to be on the front edge of that. And also, Again, because you're going to be preparing um, very specific type of food for people. And there's a learning curve that you're making with there. And um, weirdly, in the midst of all this COVID, um, there's some lessons that are being learned about through the Trinity Cafes about preparing food 
for delivery and for pickup, which um, weirdly gave a good opportunity in the midst of such a tragic circumstances. Um, so, um, and then I think partially also trying to help you with what's happening with COVID, whether it's the the, mo the uh, mega pantries, um, a new refrigerated truck. Um, we just want to make sure that the needs that you have um, are taken care of, but also, you know, we want to make sure that, um, you know, when we have a mission um, to help people in communities achieve better health, well, you guys are on the front lines of helping people in communities achieve better health, especially in a time of crisis. And so we need to make sure, and we are making sure that we are taking care of our partners during a time of crisis so that we can have a healthy community. Because, you know, food security affects the health, our health equity piece, but it also affects mental health. Um, and people are already going to be struggling a lot with uh, mental health issues um, because of COVID, you know. Um, so we're doing things like a bilingual helpline and we're doing, you know, um, um, all kinds of things in that area. But what we also understand is if a person does not have food on their plate and they don't have access to it, that is going to exacerbate the stressors that they have um, during this time period. So we want to make sure that we can partner in whatever way we can long term, you know, with um, the food pharmacies and opening up a um, new location to short term um, and something like uh, just your immediate COVID needs because you, you have a lot more needs for food and it's harder to get a hold of food because a lot of your partners aren't able to provide food in the same way. So, yeah, and to put a little bit of uh, data behind that, you know, in Trinity Cafe's first 14 years, they provided a million meals to the community. In the six months of COVID, we have provided, with your help, over half a million meals. So wow. we crested the two million meal barrier for Trinity Cafe as a whole, half a million of those within the last six months. And, you know, we can't do that without great supporters like you and, and the team. Yeah. Here. And I would guess you're never going to go back to fully normal. Even when you are able to open up and have the wonderful sit down opportunity, you're probably still going to be doing a lot of, you know, to go meals because you can get to a lot more people um, and give people both that experience of community, but also a lot of people will not feel comfortable probably ever with the communal experience of dining. So you'll be able to provide for both. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, crisis and opportunity really are two sides of the same coin. And the the crisis of, of this crazy last six months has given us the opportunity to really dive into that Trinity to Go project and the Meals on the Go, where we're not just providing an opportunity for folks to come to us and take a prepared meal home, but also we're taking prepared meals directly to people. And so that skill set that we've always had of preparing a healthy, delicious, you know, sustainable meal to someone in need through Trinity Cafe, we've now taken that and just really wildly expanded it to include people dropping by and grabbing a, a bag full of meals and going home and having five and even to our uh, our home delivery projects where if someone is homebound or afraid to go out or you know they're they're health compromised then 
we can get food right to their door. And, and that's not just in a bag of groceries, but it's also those prepared meals for, for folks who have challenges doing their own preparation. Um, you know, none of that happens without support, Florida Blue and, and, and other projects. And I, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up what we have going on this coming week, which is fork fight. You know, it's a project you guys have always been involved in, you've been big supporters of, and has been radically changed this year. Um, typically, fork fight is one of those big galas where we have 500 people in a big room and fancy food and you know, a really nice uh, program going on with dancers and singers and awards and all of that stuff. And uh, we've really had to pivot this year. And, and you guys have been with us through that challenge, through that process of imagining what this looks like. And so we pushed two fundraisers together into one and created this virtual event on Thursday the 17th where we will have a program that people can experience from wherever that you can invite. You know, we were encouraging people to uh, have a little COVID safe party where they can invite others in to see our the live stream of our event. Our, our development team is amazing. They're being really creative about how they've designed this event. And Florida Blue has stuck with us through that. So I just want to say thank you for that. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, this will be the first year if it was if we're having Epic Chef, which is our favorite event of the year uh, that, you know, we definitely can't have or pork fight. We never invite our kids. So our kids will be a part of it this time. They'll be watching, you know, kind of the presentation with us and eating with us. So that's like an opportunity in the midst of this is for them to see some things. Usually we're coming home late. I'm not going to put on a tie for this one. Um, and, uh, you know, so uh but uh, you know, since uh, since it's at home, we're going to take that opportunity to kind of ex uh, expose our kids to some of that messaging, which is probably a lot of people will sit around the table with their entire family when it was usually just a couple or an individual. So, so, so no tie this year, but definitely the right socks, right? Maybe not. The right slippers. I've been wearing slippers a lot more lately because I figure it can't be good. We're all going to have serious podiatry issues at the end of this or staying from home because everyone's barefoot all the time. So um, <laughs> they'll be right. I'll have the right slippers on for it. Um, so, <laughs> well, Rick, we really appreciate your partnership and, you know, to, to kind of bring it back to where we started the conversation uh, and give folks an idea of how committed you are to making sure our community is cared for. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna break some news to you here on the podcast and share a little bit of a story that I think uh, really drives home that point of how much you and your team care. Uh, I just heard from from our programs team that uh, an individual you directed to us who was homebound and had significant needs and, and was concerned about where their meal was coming from today. We're gonna be able to get food out to them tonight. So we've already that's awesome. Together and we'll get a box of food and some Trinity Cafe prepared meals to that individual tonight. And that just, you know, I, I don't know of any better yeah. way to relate the connection between our two organizations than you identifying that need and understanding we can help you take care of it. Oh, that is just, we are grateful for that. You know, yeah, it's, we have so in our um, retail centers, we have um, social workers who try to help the needs of some of our members because. Not every member who has health insurance, of course, 
is in the same place financially. And some people have really extreme needs. And so we came up with a few years ago a, a way to see if we could make sure that every single member that we have um, had not just its their health needs met, but also their physical needs met and their mental needs met. And so thank you very much for, for helping out that, that, that person, um, because, you know, they're in a difficult situation and, you know, it's not easy, um, when you're in a difficult situation and I'm just glad they reached out to us and our social worker reached out to them and they came together with you. So we are very grateful. And I'm sure that individual is very grateful. Florida Blue's mission is to help people and communities achieve better health. In partnership with Feeding Tampa Bay, their collective goal is a hunger-free Tampa Bay by 2025. How will we do that? By ensuring that all our neighbors have access to fresh, nutritious food that is essential to a healthy and capable lifestyle. We invite you to join the movement. Visit hungerfree2025.com. It's a pleasure to be able to see all of that happen in a two-hour time period. You know, for, for someone yeah. to identify a need or a partnership that is as strong as ours to be able to come together and figure out how to solve that need and food to be on a truck on the way to that individual today. That's awesome. And thank you guys for that. Um, we know that you're always going to be the ones that we can count on. So um, and the whole community can count on and hopefully they remember that, um, you know, and not just their time and needs, but also when they're giving. So. Thanks, Rick. Ev, did we did we get it all? Yeah, I think we covered everything. Um, the only other thing that Shannon brought up was the um, <clears throat> the uh, the Twitter chats, which I know um, we you know was just kind of like a, a fun extra thing. And I know Christy didn't really want to spend much time on it anyway. So I mean, it's up to you guys if you feel like you want to get into that as well. Yeah, I mean, just one quick one day of uh, on social media, there's some Twitter chats that happen um, if you follow Florida Blue's uh, Twitter account. But one of them is uh, hashtag get masks FL. So get masked Florida, because what we're doing, we feel that, uh, you know, part of keeping Floridians healthy is that we strongly advocate the use of masks and social distancing. And so, you know, since that's essential to battle COVID, um, we want to make sure that um, people like uh, can I take an opportunity to take a picture of them, put it on social media with that hashtag with a mask on, get masks, get masked, FL. Um, and uh, you know, the word masked is not easy to say clearly, um, but have that opportunity to put that and then, you know, just kind of share and look through to just encourage people that masks are a good thing. Um, for people to wear when they are around others um, and when they're in an opera, they're not socially distanced far enough outside or in their own home, you know, to make sure that they, they do that. So we're trying to encourage healthy behavior, not just with food and lifestyle, but also with masks. So. And so it's such a great way to get that message out because, you know, putting, putting that information on a billboard or putting that information on a PSA doesn't always cover the same territory that putting it out on social does. So we'll make sure to follow Florida Blue and figure out how we can participate in those conversations. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Rick, for you know for sharing your time and your oh, sure. info with us and uh, you know and also oh. explaining you know how we can all dress a little better too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. I didn't even realize that that's what I was known for on the board. 
um, you know, um, because I don't really think about it. And nowadays it's just, it's what I, I mean, I'm not even satisfied with my wardrobe most of the time. So, I mean, let's be, be honest. I'm, yeah. So, uh, that is funny that other people think that, uh, about me whenever, especially the last few months, it's just been t-shirts and, uh, you know, uh, shorts, um, for six months. I don't even know. I'm kind of confused how many months it's been so far. Um, so I haven't had a chance to do any of that. I have dry cleaning. I haven't even taken in. It's horrible. <laughs> Just know that when we get back to that normal period of, you know, plain Oxfords and pantsuits and uh, logo polos that you're a little shining beacon in the, in the midst of all that boredom. <laughs> I, I probably will be just because this stuff needs to like come out of my closet or I need to just throw it away. I can't imagine what it looks like at Goodwill right now of <laughs> all of the really nice clothing that people have just that are now a hundred percent remote and they know they're never going back. They're probably all, you can probably get some really nice uh, clothes at Goodwill. That's uh, that, but you just have to wear them around your house. So. Good <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Rick, thank you so much for your time. Okay. Thanks a lot, guys. It was good talking to you. I appreciate it. All right, everyone. Thank you for sticking around. That was a great interview with Rick Bennett from Florida Blue. Um, and we are excited to invite our very own Kelly Sims onto the show now. Thank you for joining us, Kelly. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Hey, Kelly. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Welcome, welcome. This is an honor. So we are really excited about this opportunity. Your team is pulling together. Um, we've been working on the back end of it. I can't wait to see all of it come to fruition. Can you tell us a little bit about what is going on? Yes, so we've had an opportunity like many to think about how to um, present to um, our guests uh, what, what is a signature event at Feeding Tampa Bay and has been for many years, Fork Fight. We had also um, decided this year to pause on another signature event, which was our seven week epic chef showdown. And um, as we thought about it, we realized that we could produce a very exciting virtual event that kind of combined the best of both events. And uh, this has really uh, given us an opportunity to develop some incredible new partnerships uh, and um, we're producing this uh, in TV show quality with the help both of our internal Feeding Tampa Bay um, communications team, as well as um, Identity TV, the Jeff Finnick um, uh, channel, as well as other technology firms who are going to provide, we think, an incredibly um, vibrant online experience that gives guests the opportunity to be entertained with music to still experience a live auction and um, in many cases have the opportunity to, if they choose to, to gather a few people in their own home and have the social interaction of a watch party um, with food as well. And so we're pretty excited that this is really uh, shaping up to be what we think will be memorable for a very long time. I know people have to be excited excited to be, I feel like a part of something. You know, a lot of people, I enjoyed going to events 
Um, but there is this really interesting um, piece of it that your team has come up with, and I really love it, and it's um, kids helping support kids. I know that we've all experienced this trend. Ev and I have been, you know, our team has been working on it from a PR standpoint and a communications standpoint. We've met all these amazing kids. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, yeah, so it's super exciting that one of the things about the program uh, at Fort Epic Fort Fight that we're going to feature this um, this year is the um, way that the community has come together to support incredible need in the past months. You know, there's no question that the pandemic has multiplied what we need to um, do to support our hungry neighbors, and organically through that also came these young supporters who popped up in different ways, doing different things to help feed others. And there was a common thread um, with these kids feeding kids, and that is a real awareness that they can use their specific talents and skills um, in a way that will benefit others. And so it also, so that organic thing that happened also gave us an opportunity to say, what can we all do as a community to feed children? If, if a 12-year-old can do this, I can certainly do something like it and use my skills or my funds or my time to do more just like it. And so we will be featuring our um, fundraising effort that evening around feeding children. And we hope to inspire guests by them getting an opportunity to watch children feeding other children um, as an inspiration point. That's amazing. And I think those kids will encourage other kids as well. And I know we're featuring a few of them, but there's so many more over the summertime. Um, we saw kids that were just inspired to help others because they were volunteering with us, which is amazing. So how can people help? How can they get involved? How can they join us? People can get involved in Epic Fort Fight in a variety of different ways. First, we're um, still gathering sponsors, which, by the way, is incredible to see that we have more sponsors than ever before, more sponsorship dollars than ever before. And as you listen to Rick Bennett and um, the involvement with Florida Blue, you see where people have really stepped up, corporations and individuals, in a big way. So contact us. Let us know if you'd like to do that. We can give you the details about how it can actually um, put more eyes on your business and give an opportunity to kind of market what you do, as well as if beyond sponsorships, if folks just buy a ticket, be there that night, share with us um, the experience of Epic Fort Fight, and don't forget to you know, send that same invitation to your family and your friends. If you want to gather a few together, we have curated um, four or five excellent restaurants who um, are providing online um, reservations where food can be delivered directly into your own, to your own home. That's specifically um, for you um, to manage, but we wanted to also feature restaurants and restaurant partners who have been in it with Feeding Tampa Bay for a very long time. And we want to lift them up through this event as well. And then finally, I would say, you know, share the word, share the word about this event. And we will be continuing, by the way, our um, Feeding Children Ask 
through the end of September, which is Hunger Action Month. And so whether you can attend on September 17th or whether you can support us throughout the rest of the month, all of it, each and every part of this plays a huge role. Well, Kelly, I want to thank you for joining us on What the Food Bank. You've helped explain so much. We're all going to be together on September 17th. You can go to feedingtampabay.org. You can follow us on social. Kelly and her team are ready for you to join us um, to fork fight, and it is going to be epic. Thank you so much, guys, and we'll see you next time on Stick a Fork in It and What the Food Bank. Thank you all very much. You can learn more about Feeding Tampa Bay and how to join the movement at feedingtampabay.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Feeding Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm.